Welcome to Truly Fit. Welcome to the Truly Fit Podcast, where we interview experts in fitness and health to expand our wisdom and wealth. I am your host, Steve Washuda, co-founder of Truly Fit and author of Fitness Business 101. As a reminder, on Thursdays, it is just me talking about something either trending in the fitness, health, medical, or business communities, maybe questions that listeners had written in, or maybe a topic that I previously touched on with a guest that I want to expand on. On the Monday podcast, those are the longer podcasts, usually closer to 45 minutes to an hour, where I interview an expert in fitness and health. This Monday, we're going to have Connor Gedemian. He's the uh, strength and conditioning director of, for sports at Flagler College. It was a really fantastic conversation, a little bit about mental health, a little bit about training. We touched on everything. Today, I'm going to answer some listener questions. As usual, I don't I don't answer these in advance, and I do have to sift through them to see which ones I want to answer, but I don't actually have an answer written out. I am going to uh, just answer off the cuff here. Steve, I recently saw a graph that showed an association of hand grip strength with dementia incidence. This was an inverse correlation. Can you explain this? I also heard Peter Atia talk about this in a podcast. Well, I'll say up front that uh, I don't like the data. I've seen the data and I don't agree with it. So I've, I've never read personally. It's not like I'm an expert on this. I've never read any causal mechanism where hand grip strength showed to be the reason why you staved off dementia or live longer. Now, they've done studies, longitudinal studies. There was like 140,000 people, and they looked at their hand grip strength across, you know, all 140,000 people and showed like, you know, a really significant correlation between people with higher uh, grip strengths and, and like mortality and how long they lived. Now, here's my problem. Grip strength itself is being looked at separate from exercises and lifting, <laughs> wherein it's not, right? If it's, Grip strength to me is a secondary effect that one can accrue, can acquire from exercising and lifting. But what's actually giving you the declining rates in mortality, what's actually giving you the declining uh, dementia rates is the exercise and lifting. The grip strength is secondary. So how, how do I, you know, how do you parse this? How do you separate these two? Well, if, if, you, if you were mainly doing lower body exercises and core, and you weren't doing a lot of upper body exercises and your grip strength was low. Do I think that's that that you're not going to still fall into that group that's staving off dementia? And uh, no, I, of course, of course, you're still exercising. You're doing all the things that are physiologically supposed to help you stave off dementia and also, uh, you know, live longer. So I think grip strength is being confused as the cause when it is a secondary effect of the overall exercise. And if you weren't doing exercises that had to do with picking up a lot of heavy weights or if you found another way to do it right let's say i was only back squatting and i wasn't gripping anything i wasn't doing a lot of pulling do i still think that you wouldn't be in these categories no so yeah so it's, i i don't care what peter atia says or anybody else I, I do not believe grip strength itself is why people even though the study shows that is or is state or staving off dementia and, and or living longer. I think grip strength is the secondary effect from exercising and exercising is really the reason why this is happening. To give you another comparison, people who own two homes are more likely to outlive people who own no homes. They've done these studies, right? So two or more homes as opposed to no homes. Why is that? Well, it's not because of the physical structure, the wooden and cement structure of the home. It's because people who own two homes typically have more access to medical care because they have more money. And maybe they take care of themselves better because they have more money. So the secondary you know, effect here is the homes. They own the homes because they have the money, but the money is the reason why they're living longer. That is the same thing with the grip strength. The exercise is the reason they're living longer. The grip strength is a secondary effect of the exercise. Uh, hi, Steve. I decided recently to hire a personal trainer in my fitness facility. 
What should I look for when hiring a personal trainer? Thank you. Well, uh, I talk a little bit about this in my book from a personal trainer standpoint, but I'll try to explain it to the general population. There are typically two different kinds of personal trainers. Now, ultimately, <clears throat> we have characteristics of both of these, direct and demonstrative, but we're always more one than the other. The goal is to be uh, sort of 50% of each, if you can, over the longevity of your career. But let me explain these two different kinds of people. So you have the more math and science-based people who go into personal training. They understand the body well and kinesiology and anatomically, they're very good. They're what I call anatomical sleuths. They're more like physical therapists. They can figure out what's going on in your body. But those people are usually a little bit quirky. They're not always uh, as fun. They're not always as uh, engaging. They're not intra trainers. They don't put on a show. They're not as creative with their exercises. So there's so you, you have to see what you want for your particular goals. If you're somebody who's very busy and you just want to get to your goals, you're like, I need to lose 10 pounds in two months. I'm not here to, this is, I'm not here to think about maybe the long-term relationship I have with this trainer. I'm not here to just always have a good time. I'm here to honestly almost punish myself, get through this, get to my goals. Then maybe you're looking for a more direct trainer. And if you're somebody who is uh, maybe, I don't know, a, a housewife, or maybe you're retired and you're like, I just want to slowly make sure that I'm getting back into health and fitness, but I want to do it in an enjoyable fashion. Well, you're only going to enjoy it if you enjoy that person that you're with, because let's say you have three sessions a week, each an hour on Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8 a.m. You have to see that person for three hours a week at 8, at 8 a.m. And it's not like you know, they're there talking with you the whole time. And it's going to be awkward if you think that they're weird or you don't get along with them. So in that case, maybe you want maybe a more you know demonstrative trainer, somebody who is more about the experience than, than just the goal setting. Now, ultimately, we want to be both as a trainer, but at your facility, you may not have that. You may not have a you know, a, a well-seasoned trainer who has both of those skill sets. So I would sit down with the trainer and make sure you're interviewing the trainer as, as much as they're asking you questions. You have to ask them questions. Don't just sign on. And if, if, you're, if you have a facility where they think they're just going to place you with somebody, I would ask around first. I would look at those trainers at the facility, right? You, you, can, you could have a good sense by just watching the trainers, see how they train. Are they staring at uh, other people's butts during the middle of their sessions? Are they, or are they focused on their client? Are they somebody whose clients seem to be getting better at what they do? Are they someone who cheers on their clients? Do they have a smile on their face? Or are they, do they seem you know, uh, not approachable? I mean, look at these trainers in the gym as they're training so you get a sense of who they are. Ask around the facility. Even ask people they work with. Ask the management if you have a choice in the matter because maybe you don't. But ultimately, you really want to find out if they are somebody, if they're a direct trainer or not. And when you sit down with that trainer at first, you could ask them questions like, hey, I only have 30 minutes to train. These are my goals. Do you think it's possible? And you can get a sense of who they are before you hire them. Lastly here, and maybe most importantly, is your goal. Does that trainer have experience with that? So for example, if you're somebody who's recovering from a knee surgery, ACL surgery, and maybe you're three months post-op and you got a physical therapy, but you're just trying to strengthen your legs before, has that trainer work with someone who has been post-op ACL, right? These things are, are important. Now, it's not a be-all, end-all. If they, if they say no, but you really like that trainer and he's willing to learn about it and work slowly, I'm not telling you you can't work with he or she, but I would look into your goal and if that trainer has gotten there before with their clients. If this trainer is a weight loss specialist and you're somebody who's looking to learn lose 20 pounds and that this is what they do, they work with people to lose weight, well, then that might be a good fit. If this trainer is somebody who only works with athletes and you're 63 years old and you're a senior and you have arthritis, this might not be the person for you. So, of course, your goals should be 
commiserate and thought about with whatever sort of trainer and training style that this person may have, because typically trainers will have a niche of some sort. Now, not always, and you would hope that they at least have a general background of working a little bit with everybody, but a lot of times they end up specializing early into a particular set of clients. And you want to make sure, just like uh, just like your physician, right? If you were going to get a surgery done and you're going to a, whatever, a, a hand surgeon, but he's never done this kind of hand surgery before, you would probably be you know, suspect and, and look for someone else. You want to make sure that this trainer has worked with someone before that has the same goals as you. Hey, Steve, what are some health fads and trends you disagree with? It could be a diet or a workout or anything of that sort. Um, well, um, there's a ton I could talk about here, but I guess recently, you know, this, this craze with optimization, optimization is great. If you're an Olympic athlete, you're trying to get 1% better optimization is great. If you're trying to get on stage and go from, you know, third place to first place in a, you know, a bikini contest, but for the accountant who goes to the gym twice a week and then rides his bike on the weekends, optimization is the last thing that he wants. Adherence is what he wants. He wants to adhere to a, some specific program that's easy for him, that's cons that, that builds consistency over time so he could eventually get healthier and get to his goals. And what all our goals should be is long-term health and wellness. I talk about that all the time. So this optimization craze is getting nuts. And there's so many people who put out videos that saying like, here's the optimal way, the best way to do a bicep curl. If you're, the, the thing with optimization is op short end optimization, disrupts long end optimization. So let me unpack that. If you're so focused on any one individual exercise and optimizing it, that means you're spending more time doing it. You're spending more time researching it. You're spending more time on that exercise. That means your workout, which has a specific duration. Let's say you only have an hour to work out. Like most people only have a certain amount of time to work out. Well, if I've spent all my time trying to optimize one exercise, well, then I neglected and negated to do other exercises. So maybe I've only fit in three or four different exercises over the course of 45 minutes I had to work out instead of six or seven. Therefore, my entire workout was less optimal, right? So you, you, you can... If you short-term optimize, you could be hindering your long-term optimization of the workout. So if you're somebody who is not you know, training for something specific, you're not trying to get on stage, you're not, you're not a strength athlete, you're not in the Olympics, optimization is one of the last things that you should be looking at. You should be looking at how do I adhere to my program? If I adhere to my program by making things easier for me, making things enjoyable, and also it's, it's almost, I don't want to say never, but I don't like to speak in absolutes here, but it's rarely the case where you want to do fewer exercises. Now, yeah, if you're learning form, I get that. But ultimately, you want to challenge your body. And a lot of times you do that by doing more, more exercises, various exercises. So this optimization thing almost always slows you down. I'm not a fan of optimization in any front, in, in the weightlifting front, in the nutrition front, all of these things. These optimization usually pushes people out of adherence. The optimization is only good for people who have been adhering to a plan for a long period of time and they're ready to take the next step. General population does not need to optimize anything. Uh, Steve, give me your thoughts on the power plate. I have recently become certified and want to work with clients on this. Well, I'm also certified in, uh, using the power plate. Uh, for those who don't know, it's, it's a technology that sends, you know, vibrations through your body, basically up to maybe 50 or 60 times a second. And these little micro vibrations are, you know, apparently they, you know, they activate muscles. They do, right? Cause they're, they're shaking. So it's making your muscles fire, uh, which in turn burns more calories. It could improve your circulation, uh, and things of this nature. So uh, I, I get the technology and I, you know, it's, it's even proven in some studies to help with like, you know, bone growth and things of this nature. I've used it a bunch with some of my clients in a very, uh, let's call it like rehabilitatory setting where I've had clients who've had knee or ankle issues or they've had injuries. And I was able to just do like, like small step ups on this power plate while it was vibrating 
to really get them working harder from a caloric standpoint because they couldn't do much at the time. So it challenges their body by having to adapt to the vibrations. Now, with that being said, I, I would ask anybody the question if they asked me, Steve, what do you think about the power plate? I would say, why? And if your answer was, because I feel like I need to buy this because it's going to help me get in shape, chances are I'll say, do not do that. Because that, the people who want to buy these things, like the independent general population, are people who have three ab rollers in their garage and some Chuck Norris machine uh, up in their attic. They're just looking for shortcuts. This is this is not a shortcut machine. There are no shortcut machines. But this is certainly not a shortcut machine. This is This is a tool to be used in addition to. And I think as a trainer, it's a great tool to be used with our clients and, and to integrate novel concepts and old concepts that make it feel more novel when you're when you're using it on the on the power plate. But I, I don't think it's something that the general population should buy if in fact they think, okay, this is going to change me. I'm gonna start working out when I buy this. That that never happens, right? This this endorphin rush you get in your brain or the serotonin thing when you think about the future, right? You're sitting at the it's it's eleven o'clock at on a on a Thursday and you're you know you're watching and the the TV and some sh the commercial pops up. Not that anyone watches commercials anymore. You're probably watching a YouTube video and you know a, a five second ad comes up that says you know buy buy this thing. This is what you can look like after six months because this guy and then you imagine this is what you can look like and that's why you buy. You buy in the impulse of what could be. But ultimately, if you're somebody who's not stuck to workouts in the past, this one machine is not going to make you stick to it. And it's not a better piece of machine than anything else. Our body is the ultimate machine. These are just toys we integrate with our body in order to keep things novel and and maybe uh, quote unquote optimize your workout to be a little bit better. But this is not something that's going to fix all of your problems. Um, lastly here, uh, I missed last Monday podcast. I did, not, I did not put one out for those of you who are confused. I just decided to skip a week uh, for my, my own mental health. I just didn't feel like doing the work. I had a lot of other things going on in my life. My child is doing swim rescue. And if anyone's ever done swim rescue before, it is, uh, it's harder on the parent than on the child. Basically, they're, you know, they're dunking your two-year-old child in the water uh, for 10 minutes uh, to, to get them to understand where they can find water and then they, they barrel roll them in the water and they have to breathe and it's uh, it's harder on the parent to watch than I think it is for the kid to do but uh, it's obviously for a good cause so your, your kid if if and when god forbid they ever fell in they know what to do and uh, they, they would at least if nothing else they can save themselves for a period of time until you can rescue them so uh, because I've been dealing with that uh, basically every day for a month I'm gonna have to be dealing with that in June the rest of my work has slowed down a bit uh, the reason why is, not that anyone uh, really probably cares, is when you do this, these swimming exercises, they can't throw up in the pool. So they have to eat three hours beforehand, which means if my daughter's swim class is at 6 o'clock, I have to take her out of daycare at 2.30 and then feed her. So I'm with her the whole afternoon, which is a great thing. But at the same time, I get less work done. But uh, thank you for listening into the Truly Fit Podcast. Remember, Monday is Connor Getemi, who is the director for strength and conditioning for athletes at Flagler College, which is a D2 college in Florida. And he's going to talk to us about not only some uh, mental health athlete conversations that were really interesting, but just overall working with athletes and what he does. Also, as a last second reminder here, my book, Fitness Business 101, what the certifications don't teach you, I will always send via PDF for free. If anybody wants it, you reach out to me, DM me on Instagram at Steve Washuda, and I will send you a free PDF copy of my book, Fitness Business 101, what the certifications don't teach you. If you feel like listening to audiobooks, I don't know how to give that to you for free, unfortunately, but you can uh, download the audiobook on Audible, Fitness Business 101. And I'm always available for any questions or concerns that you have if you're somebody who wants to become a personal trainer or if you're somebody who just has a general health and fitness question. See you guys on Monday. Thanks for joining us on the Truly Fit Podcast. 
please subscribe, rate, and review on your listening platform. And feel free to email us. We'd love to hear from you. Social at trulyfit.app. Thanks again.